Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everybody is well. This week I am joined by Andy, one of the developers of the Funny Boneyard, which is a new comedy adventure game, which will be released very soon. So Andy spoke to me about the developers met to create this game. He talks about the particular art style and what we can expect from the story. He talks about some of the characters. And he talks about what the Funny Boneyard is and the origins of this name. And everything else you want to know about this game, without spoilers, of course. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Andy. Please enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. This week, I am joined by Andy, who is developing the Funny Boneyard, a new comedy adventure game. So, hello, Andy. How are you? Hello. I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I am doing well, thank you. We, uh, at the time of recording, we are still going through this COVID-19 virus, so we're both cooped up in our homes. We're both working from home now, so I hope you're doing okay. Yes, yes. So far, everything's fine in Vienna. Uh, civilization still exists. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Same in Ireland so far. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully, by the time this episode goes out, we will have been through the worst that we can begin to get back to our normal lives, but uh, we'll, we'll see uh, what happens. So now you are working, as I mentioned, on the funny Boneyard, but first, before we talk about your game, I wanted to ask if uh, you could introduce yourself and let us know what your favorite adventure games, and I'm going to make a guess here. I'm guessing that maybe some of your favorite adventure games are LucasArts games, maybe? Yeah, you're, you're guessing right, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, so both I'm I'm working together with with my colleague uh, Josef uh, on the game, and we are both very big fans of of adventure games. Um, we we grew up with them, so to speak. Um, so beginning of the 90s, end of the 80s, and yes, we have a big uh, Lucas Arts bias, um, and we are both big fans of them and I've played every every one of them and know them all by heart so um, yeah and uh, yeah probably my favorite is probably Day of the Tentacle. <laughs> Good uh, choice. Yeah <laughs> um, it just has the best uh, best puzzles I think and the most most enjoyable puzzles um, but yeah I, I love basically all the LucasArts adventure games and and others, uh, of course, Sam and the Sorcerer, uh, a few of the Sierra games, uh, especially Leisure Suit Larry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so basically all the, the adventure games from the from the golden age, beginning of the 90s. So that's that's the, the period that we love. Sure. Yeah. No, David the Tentacle, I would say probably has some of the best puzzles, I think, the way it's, you know, combining the different time periods and yes. the different characters that they're very challenging, but overall they do kind of make a zany sort of sense. Yeah, um, yeah. So definitely it's a you know, great choice. I still I bought the remastered version. I still have to play it. Have you played the remastered version? Uh, yes, I have. I have. Um, I, it was another opportunity to replay <laughs> the game again, as I do so often. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just the, the, it's, it's like the, the puzzles are telling the jokes. In, in Day of the Tentacle, so why that's why I think it's it's the best best adventure game because for example Seven Max I think is funnier is better written mm. but uh, the puzzles are kind of yeah don't don't make much sense are kind of arbitrary but but in Day of the Tentacle it's 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 the basic basic uh, the, the best balance or the best harmony between yeah writing and and puzzles and uh, and, and yeah fun and humor yeah. yes no i think it has the best uh, combination as you mentioned of the puzzles which are very well thought out. i mean they're well thought out in all the 
LucasArts games, but some, as you mentioned, really don't make a whole lot of sense. But definitely Data Tentacle, I think there was a huge amount of thought being put into everything, you know, the graphics, into yeah. the story, and into the um, the puzzles. And I don't know if this is true, but I heard somewhere that, I don't know if it was the intro sequence of the, of the Data Tentacle, that that was designed by an intern at the time. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a hell of a sequence if it is uh, developed by an intern at the time. I hope he went on to do great things, but I might that's be wrong. I, be, I believe I heard that somewhere, but again, I, I am not saying for definite. <laughs> and um, Possible. Maybe you heard it in the audio commentary uh, of, of, the, of the remaster. It's possible, yes, or maybe from the other, the Point and Click Adventure podcast, which unfortunately is no longer going, but uh, but yes, no, so definitely recommend people play One Day the Tentacle, which is, I'm guessing it's one of your inspirations, would that be correct for your game, The Funny Boneyard? Yes, yes, I think it's it's pretty obvious in in the art style, um, even though it's it's kind of a much older cartoon Art style, mm. uh, uh, yeah, Warner, old Warner Brothers cartoons, basically. So basically, you have kind of the same inspiration. Uh, but yeah, of course, it was a big, uh, a, a big game for for us in, in the development of our game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when did you guys? When when did you and Yosa start working on the game? Did you form a studio together? So are you first of all you you know each other before making the game? Is that correct? Yes, yes. We've been uh, friends for uh, uh, a long time, basically, and we we are both fans of, of these kinds of games. And um, a few years ago, uh, Thimbleweed Park came out, and yes. that was was kind of the genesis of our idea because we started talking about this. And um, at that opportunity, I showed uh, Josef, my my colleague, uh, an old game that I made in Adventure Game Studio once for my girlfriend, which was kind of uh, aping the old LucasArts Adventure Games. And Joseph was, uh, 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 yeah, Joseph was very happy because he, uh, he was looking for someone that, someone that um, could do something like that, it could uh, program uh, something like that. And I had the software and I had a little bit of experience with it. And I, uh, I was looking for for uh, making an adventure game too, but I was missing an artist because I have no <laughs> artistic talent, and he is a a really good artist. And so we came together and formed this idea, and um, we started with one room just for fun, uh, just one room with a few items and maybe maybe uh, a few puzzles. And yeah, the idea got bigger and bigger from there. And yeah, now we we are working on basically a full-length uh, adventure game. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. So a match made in heaven. You're looking for an artist and he's looking for a programmer. Exactly. And, that's that's kind of what happened, yeah. And you both love LucasArts. Yep. So, <laughs> so great combination. And now you mentioned that you had made uh, another game in AGS before. Is that game still available? Uh, no, that, I never published it. That was just oh. uh, a little game that I made for my girlfriend at the time. Yeah, oh, so okay. It was never published. It was full of <laughs> full of inside jokes. <laughs> right, because I, I don't know if you know. I, I interviewed Alistair Beckett King last year, one of the organizers of Adventure X as well, and yeah. he made a game for his girlfriend as well called Nelly Kutalot. Yes, and yes. I don't know if you that, played yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. So and then he made a sequel, and that game came out, and it became a big success. So yeah, yeah, that's it, true. That's true. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean. Yeah, well, you guys are not making it easy for the rest of us because we give, you know, flowers, chocolates. You guys make adventure games. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a lot more work than thought we put into your gifts. <laughs> so, um, okay. And so then you said that the idea grew for this game. So when when did you start working on this game? Was it, so you mentioned when Timberweed Park was released. Was it after Timberweed Park was released that you started working on this game then? Yes, exactly. Thimbleweed Park was kind of, uh, um, yeah, the, the main, the main inspiration or the, the the starting point, so to speak, for our motivation to to do something like that. Um, yeah. Yes. Now we we spoke about that game on the podcast as well. I just I finished yeah. it 
just uh, recently as well. Um, so, Dennis, one if you could tell us about the game. So you said that the game has changed now, it's becoming a full-length game. So we can start with the story of the game and the setting. So what can you tell us about the story and the setting? Yeah. So um, the game is called The Funny Boneyard, and that's the name of a bar in the game. Um, started as a pub, now it's more of, of a bar. Um, and um, the story, the protagonist is a young student called Maria Romero, and she basically has to save her favorite bar, The Funny Boneyard, uh, from being closed for a variety of reasons. And well, she she is a little bit of a of a shut in, and she has to go out into the world now and uh, face <laughs> um, her her social anxiety and interact with people. And the the world um, that the funny boneyard takes place in is kind of a hyper hyper real version of our world. So it's basically a, a cartoon version of our um, present reality but with uh, talking animals and aliens and robots. Um, so a, a little more real than real, so to speak. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool. No, I didn't know about the talking animals and aliens and robots, but now my interest is definitely peaked. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes, we play as Romeo Romero to save her uh, favorite bar, as you mentioned. How did you come up with the name The Funny Boneyard? Because it's not a typical name, is it, for uh, for any bar or no. pub? Not that I'm aware of. So, so how did no. you guys come up with that name? Not really. Um, this is uh, kind of uh, Josef, my colleague, came up with the name. Basically, I had the idea that uh, a bar should be um, the center of our game because it's kind of a social place where I can hang out and, and I'm a big fan of of so-called hangout games where you can just yeah hang out at a place and talk to characters and get to know them and so that that was the main idea and Joseph came uh, then came up with the name the funny boneyard which is a, a very uh, a great pun <laughs> i think and we are a big big uh, fan of puns and there are a lot of um mainly very very bad puns uh, in the game because we love stuff like that and yeah that's reflected in the title <laughs> oh well I, I i love puns myself the worse the better <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> not sure everybody else agrees with, with thomas and laura whenever i make any puns they <laughs> they, they, they started booing me now at times <laughs> I'm sure they would throw virtual tomatoes at me, but <laughs> but I, I I love puns myself, so I, I'm sure that I will really enjoy. It. I mean, I love the, you know some great puns in the LucasArts games as well, that yeah. you know that we that we all love, and also with, um, with some Sierra games, with Quest for Glory games, and when I spoke with the Coles, and they mentioned in Road to Redemption, there are some puns in, do, in those game in that game as well, mm -hmm. so game set in any particular country or is is this just any country that it's set no it's kind of uh, the the world or the the city it takes place in has kind of an american uh, a north american feel to it uh, but it's not taking place strictly in our reality it's a uh, right it's it's a weird version of our reality but uh, uh, it doesn't correspond to any real location so we have our own names for 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 the for the city and for brands and and things like that it's its own reality okay that's cool and now another thing i, I notice is that the main character maria romero she yeah. is um, a person of color, which is nice to see because I don't think there's enough uh, representation in games in general. So was that a decision that you guys made? Was that uh, that you just or was it just that? Oh, let's just make her how how she is. This game was. Well, uh, Maria uh, is is very much Yosef's uh, 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 character. Uh, um, I'm I'm more uh, my character is more the, the villain. Um, but Maria is is uh, uh, is Josef's uh, character, and um, as far as he told me, he he uh, didn't have any uh, specific intention when making the character. It just came to him naturally, and but I'm pretty sure it has to do with the fact that um, well, first uh, the idea to the game uh, came in the days of 
Gamergate and things like that. So mm. on principle, you want to try to have somewhere somewhere uh, yeah, uh, uh, something that's just to spite maybe <laughs> the, the Gamergate of the world. And um, just we just wanted to have uh, something that you don't see any day. And like you said, there, there aren't many uh, uh, women of color, for example, that are protagonists of adventure games. And yeah, and that's that's why we decided for it. But it it it, it isn't a statement per se. Mm. Um, to just what we wanted to see in in a game like that. Of course, no, it's just, it's a great reason, as any, it just came naturally, and also to stick it to the Gamergate people. A little bit. A uh, little bit. It's yeah, that's a, that is a great reason as as much as any. <laughs> and, now, I played the first demo, which Yosef was very kind to, to send me, and that is, uh, the demo was publicly released. I haven't had a chance to play the the second version of the demo yet, but I will get around to it, mm-hmm. uh, because I, re- I really enjoyed it. The, the, you know, the puzzles, I remember, were interesting as well, challenging, but logical as well. And then the game was very was very funny as well. There's a, you mentioned puns, but also Maria's situation, I don't know if it's changed, much in the second demo or in the public demo, but the character that I met was her landlord, was her, was yes. she was very, shall we say, big. <laughs> but then I think it surprised me the way that he developed as well. Um, so what, what can you tell us about any of the other characters in the game, including the landlord and any other characters you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, well, basically we, we put very much thought in, in all of our characters and, uh, Basically, our our game is uh, uh, diverse to the extreme. So, like I said, we 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 have uh, uh, people from different universes and uh, from different species and and robots and all kind of really really weird out there characters thrown together. But we put a lot of thought into every one of them, and every one of them has a has a little arc maybe and uh yeah and we try to to don't revel uh to not revel too much in cliches because for example the the landlord is a, a, a typical villain character um but we try to make him a little sympathetic and uh at the same time um show a little in in his interactions with maria also show uh show a little about maria's character where she where she stands at the beginning of her arc because she's a little cynical she's she's a little yeah shut in uh, a little little socially anxious and sometimes a little mean so um, that the interaction with with her and the surprisingly nice landlord mm-hmm. um, so to speak uh, sends her on on uh, is is the beginning of her journey to <laughs> become become a person that's that's better with other people yeah. <laughs> Yes, that was very interesting, I found, as you mentioned, that our protagonist is Maria Romero, who is the hero of the game. Yeah. And then her first antagonist that we meet is the landlord. So yeah. we expect, I expected that this to go that, oh, he's looking for rent, he's mean to her, and he's you know, really putting pressure on her. But he, you mentioned, he's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he, he was lonely as well, that you know he wanted company as well. And she was, as you mentioned, cynical and mean. She still comes across as a good person, but you mentioned she has social anxiety. So I think in that interaction, you were able to demonstrate that very well, that we got to know the characters and the main character, that she's not perfect, but we can see ourselves kind of a little bit in her, that sometimes a little bit of anxiety that maybe some of us might have, but also that she's not uh, the goody two-shoes or the perfect character who's always nice to everyone, that I thought was, it was very interesting. Okay, and thank you. So at least from the first version of the demo, I thought, oh, and it also surprised me, which is also good. That, as you mentioned, trying not to give nice. cliches. Yeah. And then we also had a scene, as you mentioned, with the villain who, I believe from what I remember, who wanted to close down the funny boneyard. Now, I'm not going to ask you what his motivations are, why he's doing it, because I'm sure we'll find that out later in the game. But what did you create a villain as well? What can you tell us that maybe isn't a spoiler, if possible? Uh, what can you tell us about the villain that you are able to tell us? Um, well, well, the our villain is uh, Tycho de Monolos, uh, who is um, uh, basically a young politician uh, 
who is very power hungry and has uh, big plans for the city to remodel the city. And uh, yes, he's kind of, uh, we, we, we don't spell it out kind of in the game, but he's kind of a con con neoconservative kind of alt-right type of, of politician. Um, and yeah, basically it, uh, the funny boneyard with its uh, uh, diverse uh, uh, audience and with the talking animals and the robots and the aliens that's against his principles. And that's why he wants to uh, see places like like uh, this, this bar shut down. So to, to clean the city, so to speak. And yeah, so he's basically the, the antagonist uh, to to Maria and there will be a confrontation between the two uh, some <laughs> somewhere in the game. Yes, that, I mean very topical. Uh, an alt right politician uh, who's who wants to close down a bar because it's it's diverse as well. Just just that reason alone. Um, but yeah, again, I I yeah. thought that you you were able to showcase that he was a villain, but we still don't know very much yeah. about him and yeah and, and very mysterious yeah 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 we want to to keep his exact plans a secret and uh yeah we also don't want to be preachy or on the nose mm. we try to be subtle about the themes um and, and political or, or social themes but we like to have them in there uh because we like games that are talking about our actual reality at least a little bit and um, basically, that's the, a little bit the idea between, between behind the funny bone, that uh, a, a, a satirizing of of our current culture, because it's it's one thing to just make a game that looks like an old LucasArts game or an old adventure game, but the the, the funny thing about it for us was to take this old aesthetic and somehow put it uh, into our current. Uh, present and uh, put modern themes to it, uh, young themes, so to speak, to it, and uh, have the aesthetic of an old adventure game, but have smartphones and all right politicians and uh, um, uh, Instagram uh, uh, and social media and things like that, <laughs> and um, um, base puzzles, puzzles around these kinds of concepts. And yeah, this contrast was was interesting. A modern world, but an old aesthetic. Yeah. Yes, that's what interests me about the game as well. What interested me as well to begin with is that at first glance, it can recognize the graphical style, which we can talk about very shortly, that it looks like it's, as you mentioned, old school LucasArts adventure game, but it has modern day themes because I find that a lot of games, now a lot of adventure games nowadays, they try to either copy or imitate or be exactly like the previous LucasArts games or Sierra games. And, you know, for example, there's so many games that mention that they're like Monkey Island, for example, that if you like Monkey Island, you'll love this game. And I, I get really tired of games trying to be like the LucasArts games. But in this game, what I found interesting is it graphically, it might look like you use the, the similar interface and graphical style, but you're putting modern teams into it. And you're making it this game very much a game of nowadays, a very modern game, and yeah, not just that's... trying to not just trying to copy the previous. I mean, it's inspired by, which I have no problem with, but it's not just trying to copy previous games. It has its own identity, which is what I like about the demo. That it's like, oh, this is a game for our times. Yeah, great, thank you. That's that's uh, exactly what we were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see the rest of the game when it comes out, but <laughs> no, but I'm I'm sure that's what I found with the demo. So, um, now, uh, so then we we spoke about the was a little bit of the puzzles. Now, one of the puzzles that I remember, I believe it's a type of dialogue puzzle when that uh, when Maria is speaking to her landlord, um, that you have to yeah. try and get the correct response. What what can you tell us about? Well, first of all, the dialogue type of puzzles, you know, how you came up with these as well. And yeah, we can start with that, actually. Uh, how did you come up with these dialogue puzzles that are in the demo, at least? The, the puzzles, well, in general, for puzzles, we, we work similarly to how the designers of old, so to speak, worked. We have uh, big charts, puzzle dependency charts, charts 
where we map out the, the puzzles and the, and the solutions and which puzzles lead to other puzzles and things like that. And uh, for dialogue puzzles specifically, for the bigger dialogue puzzles, we try to prototype them in Twine. Don't know if you know uh, uh, Twine. Um, I've, are... I've heard, I've never used it, but yes. Yeah. What, what, uh, what, what is Twine for anyone who doesn't know what it is? Basically a very uh, easy way to make uh, hypertext games. So games, uh, text text games where I can click on different options. And um, yeah, and it's a very nice way to prototype uh, things like dialogue trees in it because it's very simple to use and you can get kind of a feel for the rhythm of a dialogue and um, especially when it's a little bit more complex like like a, a long dialogue with, with puzzle elements and things like that like the dialogue with your landlord at the, at the beginning of our game yeah cool and then with the puzzles in general, because a lot of adventure games nowadays are probably, safe to say, easier or to focus more on the story and the narrative. So like maybe the Telltale games or uh, most other adventure games. So what? how did you guys come up with puzzles that were maybe... So did you try to come up with more challenging puzzles or did you try and give maybe hints for modern gamers? So how did you go about designing puzzles that were maybe challenging enough but that were able to be resolved by yeah. people in in the game was you know was, was that a challenge itself yes yes it's uh, um definitely um we, we try to find a balance between not too easy and not too challenging and i think the best way to do this is Similarly to um, also a reason why Day of the Tentacle is one of the best games. It does this very, very well to give clues and hints to puzzles. So um, if uh, you can have a puzzle with an outrageous solution, um, as, as uh, long as there are uh, uh, hints somewhere and you are kind of nudged in the direction, um, then yeah then then it's no problem like um, um so so basically the if you as a player are stuck at a puzzle the idea is if you just um go to the world and chat to characters uh with the time you will get the one uh, uh the one or other uh, uh hint here and there and a little signpost here and there and with the time you will get an idea what you have to do but it's not really telling you the solution, but it just nudges you in the right direction. And I think that's the that's the key to to yeah to to be be good at signposting. Then you can do really outrageous puzzles without them being being unfair. And that's what we're trying to do. And uh, yeah, I, I hope it works. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I found that at least with the demo that I had to think about the puzzles, but you mentioned there was signposting and you nudge in the right direction. Because there are some games, mainly older games, which have moon logic, which when you maybe look at a walkthrough and then you find a solution to go, how in God's name was I supposed to get this? There's no yeah. way I could have got this. Uh, but as you mentioned, sorry, go ahead. Yes. Uh, sorry, just wanted to say my, my favorite yes. example of, of, of this kind of thing is in Day of the Tentacle, where it has this puzzle where you have to wash uh, a cart uh, so that it starts raining, because if you wash your car, it always starts raining, uh, um, which is a pretty outrageous puzzle. Mm. It could be pretty uh, unfair, because it's kind of, yeah, like you said, moon logic. But then, and I always thought, okay, this is the one flaw of Day of the Tentacle. Mm -hmm. But then sometime later, I talked to a character in the game, and uh, this character mentions, ah, I heard that if you wash your car, it always starts raining. And uh, the other character says, "Really? How about that?" So <laughs> it's it's a really nice subtle signpost, and like I said, that's a perfect example for an outrageous puzzle made bearable <laughs> by right. by a really nice signpost. Yeah. Yeah. So even if puzzles are outrageous, they're yeah. I, I think a comedy adventure game, so LucasArts adventure games, can probably get away with a little bit more because yes. they're comedy games. They're like wacky and zany games and as you mentioned in your game as well but there is yeah. still signposting for the most part so even this puzzle in days of tentacle 
that yeah. he, like I would never think to wash a car to make it rain because no, me I, I didn't oh. know that. I <laughs> yeah. had no idea. But then you find that out in the game, so it's possible to resolve this puzzle this puzzle in the game yeah. without looking at a walkthrough. So I agree that that's time fine puzzle. There are also puzzles. I think even some of the best games, and I've mentioned this before, like Monkey Island 2 with the monkey wrench puzzle. I don't know if yes. you remember. Yes. How did you find that puzzle? Because this is, I think, mainly designed for an English-speaking audience, where yes. the pun is, you know, you use a monkey as a monkey wrench. But did you play the game in English when you were playing it, or did you play it in German? When I played it for the first time, I played it in German, and uh, it's kind of an infamous puzzle here in the German-speaking mm. region. For that reason, because it's it's not translatable, <laughs> so to exactly. speak, and and many people just had no idea why you could use this monkey <laughs> as a wrench, and and only figured it out when, uh, yeah, when they they learned um, about the original version. So yeah, that <laughs> that was a, a a stopping point for for many people playing this game in the German-speaking regions. Yeah. I can imagine because it just about barely works in English. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has some logic. Like, okay, it's a play on words, it's a pun, but in any other language, that it just doesn't work. And I think um, Laura, who does a podcast, she spoke to David Fox, I believe, who's one of the developers or one of the artists on a game, and he mentioned that as well with localization and with yeah. translation. That when you're thinking in the original language in English, it's like, oh, this is a great idea, great puzzle which again it's funny in the english version but in any other language it just doesn't work so when you're designing maybe puzzles or puns for the game are you thinking about other languages as well or is it mainly in english that you're making this game we are ma mainly concentrating on 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 english and and making it work in english yeah because um yeah we ha we have to to narrow our scope where uh, where it's possible because we're only two people uh, programming the game in their in their spare time, so we're really concentrating on on the English version, and we think about <laughs> uh, if if there are, uh, will be translations, then that's something we we think about later. Right now, we concentrate on the English version and and revel in in the puns. <laughs> Of course, yeah, and then let them figure it out. Let the <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, so you're making this this game in English, yes? Is it? Uh, yes. Do you plan on making it available in maybe German as well or anything? In the... Yeah, maybe. Well, like I said, not, at the moment mm -hmm. we're not really thinking about that, but uh, sure. it's possible because Adventure Game Studio, the engine, has ways to uh, easy ways to to make translations. Um, also voice acting also something we don't think about at the moment because it's 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 not in our scope but i'm not saying it's not not possible someday right yeah so that, that kind of takes me to the next question so you mentioned that you're at the moment you're making a game without voice acting which yeah. i think actually it worked in the demo as well because you, we put our own voices in the characters <laughs> as well because what i remember there was this Again, I've mentioned this several times on the podcast, but the developer of Bertram Fiddle, he wrote on Twitter uh, advice to other developers saying, in his opinion, it's best to leave the voice acting until last and that the focus should be on the rest of the game, in particular the, uh, the quality of the writing and the story yeah. and the puzzle. So focus on that first, because he said that good voice acting can... Uh, can increase the enjoyment of the game, but bad voice acting can nearly destroy a game. Yeah. So, uh, exactly. what, what's your what's your opinion on that? On on that way, do you? I I agree. Um, you have to be careful with with voice acting because I think it's better to have uh, uh, better to have no voice acting than to have bad voice acting. And there are advantages to not having uh, voice uh, to not having voice acting. Um, for example, you you can do much more with with text, and uh, because so to speak, text it's not easy, but it's cheap, so to speak, mm. and it's easy to implement, and you're very flexible with it, and you can create very uh, much content uh, and very many dialogues uh, with it without having to think about how oh, how much would it cost to to voice act at all, and um, that's that's great because 
I don't know if you know, for example, the the Ben, uh, um, the Ben there, then that, and Time Gentleman, please, the Ben and then the, uh, adventure I, games. I, I haven't played it, but yes, but I I I know of it. Yes. Yeah. They're a great example because they have no voice acting, but uh, they have really they have a funny answer for every single combination of items and for every action imaginable. And that's kind of what we are aiming for. That no matter what you try, uh, you get a funny response or you get a dialogue that you haven't seen before or something like that. Because in an adventure game, most of the time you're you're not solving puzzles most of the time you're going around uh trying to find the solution to puzzles and uh most of the time uh failing in that so the failings looking at things uh, talking to people um uh trying things that are wrong these kinds in themselves have to be fun for the game to be enjoyable so we we are pu putting very much energy in uh, in that yeah Yes, I, I would agree. A lot of times, when at least when I play adventure games, I'm aimlessly wandering around trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> and that says more about me, I think, as well. But yeah, when you combine objects as well, that's part of the, the charm. Because I don't know yeah. if you played this game that came out last year, which was Gibus. And you could do that as well, that you combine all the objects and you get a different answer each time. And that's uh, okay. what the developers there play, focused though. on. Yes, uh, um, I would recommend it. It's it's a very funny game. And, okay, I will try it. And um, and yeah, so then um, with, without voice acting, as you mentioned, you can do a lot more with more text as well. That it's you're not limited. To, because yes. if you have to pay for voice acting, then you'd probably be like, oh, it need to cut down on the dialogue because it's too expensive. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it, it works very well, for example, in, in games like Yakuza, in the Yakuza series. Don't know if you're familiar with that, but that are, are games, for example, that have voice acted scenes. But then there are very, very many side missions and side stories that just don't have voice acting. They are just mm. text. And um, they're using this method with a very low budget. They can make huge amounts of, of content and uh, a load of stories that you can uh, find while exploring the city. And uh, this that's just really nice and fun. And uh, they wouldn't have uh, the, the opportunity to do this if they had, would have to voice act it everything. So it kind of makes you more, more flexible and yeah. Um, I, I think it's great. I think uh, that the reading of, uh, particularly in adventure games, is, is kind of a, a, don't know, lost lost art or yeah, something nice. There's there's something nice about uh, reading. Yeah. Mm. Oh, de definitely. And I haven't played this game yet at the time of recording, but Thomas and Laura played it called Disco Elysium. Oh yeah. Like an RPG, but really, it's it's an adventure game disguised as an RPG, from what yeah. I've heard of it. It's and what amazing. they said, yeah, have you played it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I, I should really get started. I just bought the game uh, yesterday, time recording. So, uh, uh, great. <laughs> because I need to start playing it, I know, from hearing Thomas and Laura talk about it all the time. Yeah, no, it's great. It's one of the best written games, I think, ever. It's really, really great and really funny. Okay, so, well. Recommendation there, yeah. And is that the same as well? Because in some places I've heard that there is some voice acting, but for most of the game that there isn't. It's just mainly reading. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, that's that's another example. Yeah. And yeah. it seems to work. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, with uh, with regards the other sound effects, so uh, how do you guys first of all use music? Uh, how did you yeah. choose what music to use in the game? Well, with music, um, we try to kind of emulate, uh, like with, with the rest of the aesthetic, we try to emulate the, the adventure game era of the early 90s, which means we use a program um, that uh, yeah, emulates the old uh, Adlib sound cards from <laughs> the, the DOS era. And we yeah try to make uh, music that kind of, yeah, sounds like like um, the adventure game music of old, a uh, little nostalgic and yeah, fitting the the visuals. Yeah, so l low lo-fi MIDI music. Right. And did you come up with the music yourselves, or did you find it somewhere online, or did you 
do the music yourselves with either one of you? Yeah. No, so we are doing it ourselves mainly. Um, I'm mostly responsible for the music, so I uh, think think of a song and I <laughs> try to to implement it in in MIDI in the MIDI sequencer. Uh, we are using a program called Anvil Studio with a special plugin that emulates the the old Adlib sound cards, and with that, uh, yeah, I try to implement. The, the songs into the game yeah but it's uh it's stuff that we said we ourselves uh are coming up with yeah okay so multi-talented as well a programmer and a midi musician <laughs> <laughs> well it's 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 great uh, uh to make a game like that because you can be uh you can try out and be creative in so many different fields so Basically, our Josef and I work together. No, so he's basically responsible for for writing and art mainly, and I'm for for programming and, and music. And but none, uh, neither of us does one thing alone. Uh, I do a little writing too and a little art, and uh, he uh, we do the the animations kind of together. He he does the, the single frames, and I'm putting them together. So everyone does a little bit of everything. And it's so nice because when you are bored with with uh, MIDI sequencing, you just go to pixel art. And if you're bored with pixel art for the moment, you go to scripting. And uh, if you're bored with that, you go you write a dialogue or, or a response for for something. And that's that's just just really nice to try out so many different <laughs> artistic fields. And it's kind of a learning experience for us. We're learning all these these things as we go, basically. Yeah, no, I've heard from other indie developers that that's one. I mean, there are many challenges that I've heard uh, mainly regarding funding and time. But one of the great things about being an indie developer is that, as you mentioned, that you get to work on different things. Because I've heard from other people, if you're part of a big studio working on a big AAA game, that yeah. you could just be doing one thing over and over and over again. So... In an Assassin's Creed game, you could just be making a roof of a house yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again, or in, uh, I don't know, in Uncharted or one of these games, just making yeah. a tree again and you again and again. Walks. <laughs> exactly walks for one year. Yeah. <laughs> so is is that what? Is, uh, would you say that that's what you enjoy then most about being an indie indie developer then, or would you like the big studio to help you or? No, I, I I think we both enjoy uh, working this way very much, and we we can really do what we want. Um, we are do, doing it, like I said, in our spare time for fun. It's sometimes it's difficult because you you have jobs and and families and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, we don't we don't really have pressure, and but we 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 manage to uh, give ourselves each other enough motivation to to keep on and it's kind of uh, a little therapeutic <laughs> for us working working uh, on the game i think that's great to hear that it really is a labor of love it's not there's no deadlines from what i yeah. hear that there's no you know huge pressure that you don't have you know a manager over you say get this done by 3 yeah. p.m tomorrow it's like I, whenever you wish i i think that the best thing about the this kind of freedom and, and indie development is you can really do something that you yourself would want to play exactly mm. like like you wanted. And if you have a partner that has kind of the same vision or a compatible vision, and Josef and, and me kind of have that, we 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 want to make the exact same kind of game. Uh, yes. I think. And if you uh, if you are able to find someone like that and you have this freedom, then it's 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 a great. Thing and, and, and very fun. Yes, as we mentioned, a match made in heaven. So it's uh, very rare that something like that happens, but uh, <laughs> but it's it, it's it's great to hear. And then with the have you included sound effects in the game? For example, like footsteps and doors closing and all. Mm -hmm. And how do you go about putting implementing those? Uh, those well, that's that's very very simple. Uh, the, we just use public domain sounds for okay. most for most of the things um there are some things maybe we record but i don't think not not anymore no it's basically just just all public domain sounds there are so many 
uh, on the internet, there is a website called freesound.org and you can find all kinds of sounds there and you can filter it by public domain sounds and you find something for nearly every situation there. So, and sometimes we edit it afterwards, um, but yeah, that's, that's our source basically. Okay. That's, that's again good to hear. Now you mentioned as well that you were using the adventure game studio to yeah. make the game. Uh, I was wondering if you could let us know. Now, you know, you said you worked on adventure game studio before you made a small yeah. game before, I suppose what what are the reasons why you decided to use Adventure Game Studio to work on this game, and I mean, what are the benefits of using Adventure Game Studio, and have mm -hmm. did you consider using anything else? So, sorry, there's a lot of questions. So, <laughs> but I suppose the one question no. is, what, why did you decide yeah. to use Adventure Game Studio over anything else? Well, well, I for one, I really love uh, Adventure Game Studio, and it's just the the perfect tool for the kind of game. Uh, we would like to make. If you want to make a Sierra or LucasArts style game um, from the early 90s era, uh, um, then this is really uh, the best tool. And it works, in, in principle, it works pretty similarly to something like Scum, for example. The scripting language that is used works very similarly in principle to a scripting language like Scum that the LucasArts people used for example so um yeah it's it's uh, uh somehow a, a process that's um that's uh, very fitting for what we are what we are trying to do and um yeah for for other kind of, of games maybe for 3d games for example there are other tools that are probably better but for this i think this is the uh, is the best tool so I, I i just really like like adventure game studio and <laughs> i've liked it for a long time and and the games that that come out of it mm. oh there's some great games that come out of it there is i mean of course the wajedai games yes yes francisco gonzalez's game so yeah you know so no pressure or anything but, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that, <laughs> definitely this tool you can make great games with it so yeah um, yeah and it's it's also viable as a commercial as a, an engine for commercial games like like Wretched Eye basically, mm. kind of not really pioneered but but uh, yeah made very very many games made made a a business model basically mm -hmm. out of out of uh, yeah publishing publishing adventure games studio games and very very successfully um, yes I, yeah. and now that said both you know your games and Wretched Eye games they look very different as well in, in a good way because this game it's uh, as, as I mentioned it looks kind of like an updated version of what LucasArts games might be now I know you mentioned that Yosef is the one who does the animation of the and the art of the, the yes. game um, I was wondering if you can tell us anything about it because I know you ha I haven't seen the video yet shame on me mm. uh, but you had a video animating I believe it's called animating Father Cassidy Okay, yeah, that's that's a uh, uh, we started a development blog, uh, mm. and that's the first post, and it's it really talks a little bit uh, um, about the, the process of how how is a character born and animated and put into the game. Um, yes, and we use our drunk drunk priest uh, Father Cassidy as an as an example. And um, are you able to say anything about how you or how Joseph goes about? Uh, drawing the art for the game. Do you work together? Yeah. Do, you, do you say, for example, this is how you would like this to appear, and then Yosef does his magic? Or how, yeah. how do you guys work to it's, work it's, to it's, get the art of the game? Yeah, so so he he really does most of the art. Um, I I have, have uh, we we work together on every aspect, like I said, but he's really mainly responsible. Um, and he he was an artist before, and he's very talented. Uh, but he he he's never done pixel art before. But he he got it very quickly, and his his pixel art just got better and better, I think. And and I really love this love the style. And he's really he's like a machine. He uh, he he uh, really uh, he's really passionate about. Uh, about doing little animations and little details and and yeah and iterating characters until they're they're perfect. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very lucky to <laughs> to have an artist like him on my side. 
And uh, yeah, basically um, for for most of the characters, we have a, a character sheet with uh, yeah their, uh, their their names and their um, yeah hobbies and <laughs> things like that. And um, it starts mostly with the kind of concept art, um, and it just goes from there. Then there is a first pixel draft, and then the finally there's a final draft, and then Joseph makes all the animations and then um, he sends the animations to me and I put them in the game and uh, yeah direct the, the animation sequences so to speak uh, put them in their different contexts contexts and uh, yeah and uh, then that's how they wind up in the game um, yeah but um, most most of the characters are really uh, are really born out of out of Joseph's <laughs> uh, Joseph's uh, uh, vision and, and creativity. Uh, I've done a few characters, uh, at least the concept art for them. For example, the villain, like I said, is, is kind of it's kind of my baby, so to speak. Um, yeah, but most of the characters are, are Joseph's babies, <laughs> visually. <laughs> cool. Well, I think. Whatever you're doing, it's working because, as you mentioned, he did get uh, good at pixel art very, very quickly. <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's really impressive. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I had no idea that he, he, this was his first time doing it because I thought he was doing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, he learned it uh, very, very uh, quickly because it's, it's kind of different working on. Uh, paper drawing comics or something mm. like that and then working with pixel art and then making pixel yes. art background backgrounds and um yeah he he got it very quickly and he uses for the backgrounds a different uh, a similar kind of technique like um for example in monkey island 2 or the day of the tentacle uh, where there are black and white sketches and he scans them in and then we clean the pixels out of them and put color in and shading in and uh, send the file back and forth and everyone corrects the color a little and puts a little more shading in and uh, yeah then at the end we, we hopefully have a, a background that looks nice so yeah yeah well as i said i think it's working the way, <laughs> the way you're working now so and uh so then you you mentioned i know this might be a bit early to, to say now or to ask, but you mentioned that this game has expanded from when you first draw the, drew the first room, and that yeah. now this game is going to be a fully or feature-length game, full-length game. Do you know more or less how many hours you're aiming for the game to be, or is this still... First of all, mm. it might depend on the player, uh, how quickly yes. we use all the puzzles and that, but do you have... Any idea, more or less, what you're aiming for, or is it still too early to to say? It's difficult to say, um, but yeah, we are aiming for what you would call a full-length game, mm. not as full-length as some of the Lu old Lucas Arts games, for example. But uh, yeah, a few hours. Um, if you if you follow the, the the critical path and are good at puzzles, then I would say um, yeah, maybe. Uh, four hours maybe if you're quick if you're quick about you're quick. it but um if you uh, we want to make a game where you don't have to follow the critical path all the time so if you take your time and try mm. to get to know the characters and like i say try to hang out a little in the world and chat and uh, look at things and try stuff out then i think you can get considerably uh, more more time out of it i hope so that that's our goal Oh, that, that'll probably be me because I like to experience games. I like to experience adventure games. So if yeah. uh, if you get a different response every time you combine objects, I'll be doing that. Take <laughs> <So, laughs> okay, great. It, it was with, with Gibus as well that there was uh, a scene in the game. It was made through Kickstarter. And there was a scene of the game where they added some backers, some files for them in a cabinet of the detective. So it had... You know, a bio mm -hmm. of all of the um, of all the backers of all of all the people. It took me an hour just to go through all of that, but that's <laughs> what I did. <laughs> it really it's it's not important for the story of the game, but it helped yeah. to add to the background of the game. So through things like that in this game in the funny yeah. boneyard where you just combine objects or extra stuff, I will be doing that. So. <laughs> Okay, great, great. Exactly, then, <laughs> so, then our game's for you. <laughs> perfect. I look forward to it. And do you? 
do you have any idea again probably too early to to say this but i'll ask you anyway do you have any idea when this game might be provisionally released or when it's ready <laughs> yeah uh, also difficult to say of course um but of course um, we are aiming for a 2020 release um difficult to say if probably it will take a little longer but on the other side the the, the coronavirus uh, uh, stay-at-home policies are kind of uh, 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 you know, accelerating the development again. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe a 2020 release uh, uh, could be possible. So we're aiming for that. Yeah, end of 2020. Cool. So if there's one positive thing about this coronavirus, because God knows we need some positive things right now, <laughs> is that exactly. maybe it could accelerate. <laughs> I mean... It's the same with this podcast now. It's giving me more time to work on this podcast. But ideally, I would have preferred not to have this deadly pandemic going around the world to make us yeah, work on our stuff. Yeah, but you have to see that the bright, the bright exactly, side of things. Exactly. As, as a Monty Python said, always look yeah. on the bright side. <laughs> exactly. And uh, do, do you guys as well, because I know some developers use Kickstarter to get funding for their games. Other people maybe use publishers. Other people use their own money to to make the game and release the game um now again I do, if you guys don't want to talk much about it that's fine but how, how do you think you guys are going about uh being able to fund the game do you think you might mm -hmm. use kickstarter or would you prefer maybe use a publisher or just self-publish the game yourselves uh, which is what yeah. which you think is working best for you guys so we're not opposed to um, maybe finding a publisher someday, um, but at the moment, uh, so it's not our goal, um, and and we're not doing it from for money primarily. Mm. So at the moment, we we're, we're enjoying our our freedom, but maybe when the game is finished and there is someone interested in it, we we wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, but yeah. Um, we yeah like i said we're enjoying the, the freedom that comes with having no responsibility uh, to to <laughs> to anyone um but uh, if you want to support the game uh, if you uh, get the, the demo on itch.io uh, you can um uh, you can make a donation when uh, uh, when you download the demo so if you would like to support the game that's that's possible but uh, we are not doing a, a, a kickstarter or something like that at the moment yeah. sure yes but this is uh, so then my next question is where can people find you guys online so you mentioned the demos available yeah. on itch.io is this where the people get the main information as well Yes, that's that's uh, one of the best sources, just directly on, on itch.io, where uh, we have a, a page and we have the development blog, and you can download uh, the demo. Um, we also have uh, uh, an Instagram channel, The Funny Boneyard, um, where you can follow us and where you can get all the latest uh, news, and a Facebook page, uh, also called The Funny Boneyard, so you can follow us there as well. To, to get all the updates. Cool. And uh, so it, I can include links to all those on the show notes, but uh, also these links are on uh, on the itch.io page, yes. which I will include as well. And I see that you have a Twitch uh, stream as well. You have a Twitch category. Do you use that at all? I see that link. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Um, uh, sometimes there are people who who uh, uh, stream our game or we have done a, a streaming session together um, uh, uh, with someone some time ago. So, uh, yeah, we, we try to get uh, to, uh, to get the game to be seen on Twitch as well. Um, cool. Because there are many, many, uh, or there are a few streamers who specialize on, on old school adventure games and, uh, yeah, um, that's 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 a very good match um, uh, naturally, yeah. So then they they should love this game then. <laughs> yeah, well, they have to read uh, out loud. Um, <laughs> they have to, to read out loud a lot of text there. So um, <laughs> oh, they can do the voice acting. <laughs> but exactly, exactly. So they kind of can can give life uh, to the characters, which is sometimes very very uh, funny and, and, and nice to hear. <laughs> mm, of course. And uh, then, again, it's probably too early to say as well. So when this game is released, 
and I'm sure people will enjoy it, and I'm sure it hopefully it'll be successful as well. Do, have you guys spoken at all about uh, any other game that you will start making, or maybe sequel or series, or is that too early to say at this stage? <laughs> this is, I think it's really too early. <laughs> it, it depends. Um, we are not opposed to maybe do an, another game or, or a sequel someday, but who knows? Um, I, I, maybe we do uh, um, something completely different. Um, there was kind of the idea of maybe, maybe making a graphic novel together next, but uh, who knows? Maybe the, uh, after we release the game, uh, it's so much fun that we uh, want to keep doing that. So, yeah, let's see. <laughs> Uh, that, that I would not be opposed to either. A graphic novel from the two of you either. That, uh, that <laughs> I'd be very interested to hear as well. So, well, I think that's all the questions I have. You've given us a lot of information about the game, and I'm even more interested about the game now. I'm looking, really looking forward to when it's released. And um, is there anything else that you would like to say to people listening or any publishers as well? Hint, hint. So when the game is finished, publishers can can maybe uh, release it. But anybody listening at all, is there anything you'd like to say to people? Uh, yeah, just check out our game. I hope it, it, it speaks <laughs> for itself. Um, um, yeah, if you, if you like uh, these kind of games and if you like... Uh, old school games and if you think oh i wish there was a game like the old lucasarts game but not again about a pirate or something mm. like that but uh, a somewhat updated uh, version of that uh, or if you're not interested in lucasarts old old adventure games at all and just want to play a game with uh, with weird aliens and robots and uh, uh, social media me- mechanics and uh, bad puns then uh, yeah, try it out as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> sounds like it's perfectly up my alley. <laughs> it's social media puns and aliens. <laughs> yep, that's basically it. Yeah. So okay, well then, Andy, the very best of luck with the game. I will be following the game and I will be talking about the game on the podcast anyway, up until it's released, and I'm looking forward to to playing it. So. Um, it's look, looking great so far, so I would say just keep doing whatever you guys are doing because it seems to be working so far. So, hey, thanks. And, uh, <laughs> so thank you very much and the very best of luck with the game. Thank you. Thank you. So that was my interview with Andy, one of the developers of The Funny Boneyard. I hope you enjoyed it. And a huge thank you once again to Andy for speaking with me. And I'm really looking forward to playing this game. And if you want to find out more about this game yourself, if you want to find out progress and updates on the game, you can find out on their official website and on their Twitter page, and the links will be on the show notes. So that is it again for this week. Now, as always, if you would like to get involved with this podcast, you can help us in a number of ways. You can help. You can check us out on Patreon if you so wish. Uh, we are an independent podcast, and so we pay for everything and all the upkeep and to help keep this podcast going ourselves. So if you wanted to help us with that, you, uh, we would be very, very grateful. Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com forward slash adventure games podcast. And as well as our eternal gratitude, you would also get some exclusive content, such as spoiler special episodes from the developers of The Walking Dead, the final season, Whispers of a Machine, interrogation and others uh, we'll also be having episodes extra episodes with myself thomas and laura and you'll also get early access to episodes to every single one of these episodes and you'll also be automatically entered for some competitions that we'll be doing throughout the year as well now you can also help us in other ways you can rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts you can subscribe and you can just write one or two lines if you so wish if you like this podcast, that, that would really, really help get the word out about the podcast. And you can you can check out the link ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast, and that will direct you to the places where you can leave a review if you so wish. Um, you can also share this podcast on different places, different forums, and on Reddit, and anywhere else you think that people will enjoy this podcast. And you can follow us on Discord, on 
Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and you can get in contact with us there if you have any feedback or if you want to share your game or talk about adventure games. Uh, we'd be delighted if you could join us. And um, you can also get in contact with us at info at adventuregamespodcast.com. So, uh, so thank you, as always, to everybody who listens and everybody who gets in contact with us. It's really, really appreciated. So, uh, so that's it for this week. And next week, I will be joined, as always, by Thomas Becks and Laura Cress. And we will be reviewing and talking about the latest adventure games that we've been playing. And so until then, have a great week, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a adventure game developer or a adventure game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you